Okay. Well, let's get into the message today. So first of all, I want to say um, that I really enjoyed what Bill Roberts said last week. Anybody else? Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, I just, I hope it was as encouraging and stimulating for you as it was for me, because uh, Bill just hit the nail on the head. I mean, he really just hit it on the head. And I really, I really believe that the Lord is setting us up for what we are going to begin to enter into this year. In fact, um, we're going to share um, what we believe God is doing with us um, for 2013 in February. We're going to have a, a vision meeting. We're going to actually do it on a Sunday morning just because um, we've got CR on Sunday nights and don't want to interrupt that. And it's just, so we're just going to do it on Sunday morning. But, but we're already in 2013. <laughs> we're, we're already there. Oh. And you know what? I think we're off to a great start. Anybody else feel that? There, there's a momentum here, you know? I mean, we had Bill Diggerson come, and he really breathed some fresh life into us when he was here. I mean, he just kind of helped fan that flame for us, right? Anybody get encouraged when he was here? We just love to hear words from the Lord, you know? And so I just felt like Bill just came and just breathed on our prophetic potential again and encouraged us. And I love his prophetic ministry because it's encouraging. That dude knows how to prophesy encouragement, man. He knows how to take you and whatever you're at, wherever you're at, man. I'm excited now. So I thank God for Bill. Thankful for what he did. But today, um, I want to I wanna go back to June of last year. I want to um, I wanna go back to when Dennis Kramer was here. And, and um, I want to talk about the word that he gave to Eric and Karen. So last year in June... Um, we were right in the middle of living out um, Malachi 4.6. Anybody remember that? Well, let's look at that. It says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and I will strike the land with a curse. Now, I believe that the essence of turning our hearts to biological children and spiritual children, as well as um, turning our hearts to biological parents and spiritual parents, I really believe that that's carrying into this year. That it's not like, you know, uh, it's not just something we did last year. And, and I want you to know personally how much I appreciated um, how many of you had turned your hearts towards Michelle and I. And, and you sent us to Jamaica, man. Whoa. I tell you what, that was an incredible blessing. And, and not only that, but I've, I've also really appreciated the love and honor that um, some of you have shown me on a very personal level. And it's been a blessing. It's been encouraging to me as spiritual children have honored me with their words and their actions. And I believe that we've got to carry this into this year. You know, honoring one another cannot just be what we did last year. It has to become the permanent culture of New Covenant. It has to be the permanent culture of how we behave here at New Covenant. And so we have got to contend and celebrate this culture of honor. It has to be permanent. So, because here's the thing. Offense, misunderstandings, and unforgiveness will always be crouching at your door. It is waiting outside your house every day. And if we do not take the weapon of honor, if we do not take the weapon of honor and beat those hellish attitudes down, beat them out of our lives, we will be slaves to the kingdom of despair. So turning our hearts to one another and honoring one another must become a habit for us 
It has to, to, to move into the habitual realm of our life where it just comes natural, where we just do it, where we've practiced it so much, we can do it easier and easier and easier. I mean, that's because, listen, it, 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 turning our hearts and honoring each other, it has to be. Because, because here's what happened. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't become a habit in our lives, then the enemy's going to come. He's going to come in and he's going to continue to try to separate us. Conquer and divide us. See, that's something that happens in the heart. When churches split... That's just the manifestation. It's the fruit of something the people have carried in their heart for a long time. An enemy would love nothing more than to destroy every church in Newcastle. And we're on that list. See, that's how serious Malachi 4.6 is. See, the Bible says that if we don't live that prophetic mandate... That, that our land will be cursed. So here's, it, here's what it means. In other words, it means that um, your life, my land, will become barren. If we don't get this value of turning our hearts to one another and honoring one another, we become barren. And the fruit that you hope to produce will sadly be missing. So the stakes are way too high in the economy of heaven for us to just kind of passively forget and ignore turning our hearts to one another and learning how to honor each other above ourselves. That sounds like the Bible. Anyone agree with that? So Dennis came in June, and he blessed a lot of us, including Eric and Karen. In fact, um, it was the first time Eric had ever received a word from Dennis, and boy, was it a doozy. However, um, I don't know that we really understood the implications of Eric's word for our entire church. So I feel like we need to listen to it again. And then I want to help kind of connect the dots between um, the personal nature of the word for Eric. I want to connect it to the corporate nature that we need to understand concerning what God was saying to all of us. So let's play that word real quick. And I just... Okay. So let me just pray for this precious couple. Lebesen, brekasta lemam. Lord would say, son and daughter, son and daughter. Be bold, be aggressive, take no prisoners, show no mercy, become militant, become military. For I desire to give you not just a plan, but a strategy. The Lord would say a strategy with tactics. You two are going to come into new power and new authority in the kingdom of God. The Lord says, I put you here to be a light on a hill, even though there's no hills, a light on a hill, a light on a hill, a light on a hill. And the Lord would say, I will from this day forward increase favor in the community between you, you and the people in this community. And the Lord would say, there are even some who have gathered against you to hinder you and even to curse you. I reverse the curse. I break those words off of both of you that have hurt you and hindered you, and I declare you free indeed. And the Lord would say, my son, I want you to change your leadership style. I want you to change it now. I want you to be more confrontational. I want you to get people to clean up their act. I don't want you to babysit them anymore. I don't want you to go to the closet to get some diapers and bottles. I want you to clean out the closet. And I want you to fill it with rifles and hand grenades and helmets and body armor and army boots. I want you to raise up not a nursery but an army. And so God would say, son, you've been honorable and faithful in all of your dealings, but I'm now bringing you to faith 
phase two, phase two. And just to show you that it's a supernatural thing, I'm going to begin to bring raw, fresh recruits from outside of the community that are going to land right here. And God would say, you'll train them and raise them up and I'll give you the recruits and you'll turn them into true soldiers. And woman of God, the word of the Lord is in you. You've been pregnant with it for years. And now it's time for you to name the baby. If it walks like a prophetic woman, if it talks like a prophetic woman, it's a prophetic woman. God would say there, I'm going to begin to release the word of the Lord in and through you as never before. This church shall be a pool. This church shall be a springing forth place where the word of the Lord runs rich and pure and true. And God would say, although you will maintain a relationship with itinerant prophets, God would say, this will be a prophetic pool. This will be a house where the word of the Lord will bubble up and flow forth to a dry, a dry, dry region. So the Lord would say, son and daughter, get ready for a prophetic anointing to come upon everything that you do. You will dream prophetically. You'll have prophetic visions. You'll preach prophetically. You'll teach prophetically. Even your worship is about to make a big departure from where it has been to something new and bigger and better. God would say, because of your faithfulness to do what I called you in this place to do, I am now changing the atmosphere of this house. I'm talking about the spiritual atmosphere of this ministry is radically being altered and permeated by the supernatural power of the living God, a new dimension of power, a new dimension of signs and wonders, supernatural things and supernatural stuff shall begin to manifest on a daily basis For the Lord would say, I am placing around this building and this land four angels who will now begin to guard what I have planted. And the Lord would say, son and daughter, a financial increase is on its way. You might as well thank me now. I'm going to send raw recruits in from other communities. You might as well thank me now. I'm going to give you favor in the community. You might as well thank me now. I'm going to radically alter your worship expression. Don't you let one of the worship team tells you it's good enough. It's good enough. You need to pastor the worship. 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 And I'm going to dramatically and radically change the worship expression of this church. Now, my son, And daughter, there has been some pressure on you, the stress of ministry, where so many people have demanded everything of you too, 24-7. We're always on duty. We can't seem to get away. We need some downtime. We need to have some fun. The Lord would say to the board, the elders, the leadership of this church, give this senior leadership couple enough money to go on one week of a wonderful paid vacation. Get them out of here. Let them go somewhere where they want to go. Pay the bill. Pay the tab. And when they come back, you'll be a better church for it, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. And I I, I praise God that we jumped on that last part right away. He blessed me and Eric and Karen are going to the Grand Caymans in April. And you know, I was thinking as I was uh, contemplating the fact of Malachi 4.6 being a permanent thing here, I also felt like that vacation thing had a little bit of a permanency too. <laughs> yes, laugh. It's a joke, okay. <laughs> wow, you guys need to stand up and turn around. All right, it's warm in here, I know. Just don't go to sleep, that's all I ask. Praise the Lord. So, okay, here's the thing right off the bat, okay, as we were listening to that word, the first thing that I want to emphasize, right at the very beginning, the Lord made several commands to Eric. And he said what? He said, be bold, be aggressive. He said, take no prisoners. He said, show no mercy, He said, become militant, become military. Now, then he says a few other things. And then he goes on and he says, now I want you to change your leadership style. Be more confrontational. 
Get people to clean up their life. Stop babysitting them, clean out the closet, get rid of the baby bottles and diapers, and fill it with rifles and helmets and hand grenades and army boots. And then he says, raise up an army. Not a nursery, but an army. And then a few more encouraging things are said. And right towards the end, he says, I'm changing the atmosphere of this house. I'm changing the spiritual climate. It's becoming radically altered by the supernatural power of God. So what is God saying to us as he prophesies this over Eric? Well, first of all, I think what the Lord has said is that we've been a nursery. But now it's time to raise an army. Now we've got to understand that this is a very scriptural mandate. If we are going to live in power and purpose and destiny, every Christian, say every, every every Christian has to make this transition from infancy to becoming a soldier in the army of God. Some more need to say amen to that. And so in pursuing the reality of living as a soldier in God's army, we have to understand that this is not in any way a contradiction to the revelation of us as sons and daughters to our Abba, Daddy God. You see, it's, it's unfortunate that um, as we strive to grasp the very, that powerful and very important relationship that we have with God as sons and daughters, that in the process of trying to, to grab a hold of that, that we develop childish behavior, childish attitudes, instead of becoming childlike. But see, I'm not going to preach on that today. The Lord said to Eric, it's time to transition. Say transition. Transition. And the Lord said that in front of us all. That wasn't a private word for him, was it? No, he said that for Eric, and he said that for us. Because we need to hear it. In fact, we needed to hear it from an outside source that doesn't even know about New Covenant. Doesn't know a thing about what we've been doing or how we do it. Dennis doesn't talk to Eric. Eric didn't give Dennis a list of things, you know, that we've been doing and the methods in which we've employed to to do them. In fact, it's probably been four to six years since we've even spoke to Dennis. So, Fact remains, we heard it, and now we've got to live it. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had a real good understanding about this truth concerning that we are the army of the Lord. And I want to look at just a couple of scriptures real quick just to kind of build this, this foundation In Philippians um, 2.25, he says, as he's greeting people, he says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 3, He's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier, Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. In fact, he wants to please his commanding officer. And then again, in in the book of Philemon, starting with the first verse, he's greeting the people there, and he says, 
to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Now, I love what he's saying. He's, he's given us a clue about something. He's, as he calls things out, as he names them, it's important to us that we have to understand that when he names these things, it's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's declaring something. But he does so much better of a job in some other passages. And so I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6, which will be a familiar scripture for us all. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now, when he says that, when the day of evil comes, guess what that means? The day of evil is coming, and it's not just the great big one where we get raptured and the whole world kills itself. Evil days come on Monday. Sometimes they show up on Thursday. Even on Sundays they happen. So when the day of evil comes to your door, because it's crouching, it's waiting, that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, then to stand. Now, if we were to, to go kind of up and, and to the beginning of chapter 6 and, and read that, which we're not, we would see Paul had just issued several instructions to different people in different situations of life. He talks to children. He talks to, to employees. He talks, you know, as in the form of slaves. But he, he talks to all these different groups, and he gives them all this instruction on how you're supposed to live, the attitude you're supposed to have, how you're to relate to the most important people in your life. And then Paul, and then Paul he follows that up with what we just read here in verses 10 through 18 concerning the armor of God. And so, so he, he's telling people, hey, this is how you should act. This is how you should behave. This is the attitude of your heart. Now, get the full armor of God on. Now, why did Paul jump from instruction on how to live to now go arm yourself? Well, I think it's because of verse 12. Let's read that again. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, Paul was very aware that as the Ephesians follow their responsibilities that he had just said, that they would need a strength that was beyond them, that was bigger than them, that was from heaven. He knew that they had great and powerful enemies in the spirit realm, and, and he knew that in order to uh, effectively deal with those dark forces, that they had to be an army dressed for battle. Say army. Dress for battle. So Paul exhorts them to put on all of the strength that they had available to them. So that they can go out and they can meet the enemy with um, that which they had to, in a way that they had to contend. And so then he finally reminds them that it's only by the strength of the Lord that they could have the victory. Now, I want to look at another passage of Scripture by Paul in 2 Corinthians. Starting in chapter 10, verse 3. 
It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. And this is New King James I'm reading. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, again, Paul's doing just a bang-up job of, of letting us know, guess what? We're in a battle. We're soldiers in the army of God. And there are weapons that we have available to us to fight the battle. But I want to look at that scripture just a little closer, and I want to look specifically at one word in verse 4. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That word warfare is what I want to I look at, I want to center on. Because I want to I explain what the original Greek of that word means, warfare. See, the, the Greek word for warfare is the word stratia. And it literally, it means military service. But it also has another meaning. You see, in Strong's Concordance, it has this definition with it. It says, apostolic ministry. If you don't believe me, go look it up. Strong's Concordance. Military service and also apostolic ministry. So let's reword this verse now with that in mind. For the weapons of our apostolic ministry are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Ooh, our dots... So what can we conclude from that, from that interpretation? Well, first we have to gather that spiritual warfare, the army of God, and apostolic ministry are all bound together. Apostolic ministry is spiritual warfare. Now, do you have to be an apostle? To do spiritual warfare? No. No, but it takes the influence and the anointing of apostolic ministry to effectively equip us to fully win every battle. Are we winning every battle? Let's have a reality check. The answer is this. We've still got people who are sick and dying and coming and leaving the Lord, backsliding. We're not winning every war. So going back to Bill Roberts last week, he said that apostolic churches are sending churches. He said they're equipping churches. And he said they're giving churches. Now, all of those values, sending, equipping, and giving, they are every one of them weapons for us in warfare. Do you realize that that's what he was talking about? That as we fight spiritual powers, and we, if we allow apostolic ministry to influence us as it should, we become ascending people, we become an equipping people, and we become a giving people. For instance, for years, for years we have talked about destroying the spirit of poverty in this area. The spirit of poverty is a spiritual darkness. It's a principality that affects an entire neighborhood, an entire area, or an entire region. 
And for years, we have been declaring an apostolic message that how to destroy that spirit of poverty in your life. We've been talking about it. Years we've said, here's how you do this. Here's how we fight this spiritual darkness in our land. And what do we say? It's extravagant giving. Over and over and over, over and over and over. We have said the way we're going to fight this, the way you're going to fight this in your own life is through your giving. Some of you have lived that value and you're seeing breakthrough. Some of you are almost debt free now. Sadly, though, some of you haven't listened and you haven't been extravagant giver. And so the spirit of poverty comes, attacks your house, attacks your car, your washer or dryer. And you're left with nothing to beat it down with. Instead, what happens is you're left begging God for crumbs to fall from his table so that you can just get by. All the while having no understanding of how limitless God is and the resources of heaven. having no understanding of what it means to be a son or daughter of the Most High who, who blesses according to his riches. No understanding of the privileges of being in the kingdom of heaven. You see, when we, we, when we behave like a pauper or a peasant, then we never live the reality of a king. When you act like a poor person, you never live like a rich one. When your thinking is like a poor person with the spirit of poverty, when you come into agreement with that spirit, you cannot live the king's lifestyle. You're in agreement with something. I don't have enough money to give in the offering, Tom. Bull. Bull. Well, if I don't give, I don't get to pay my bills. Well, bull. I really don't care about your situation because the Bible says something completely contrary to that excuse a hundred times over. I was a crown financial coach for years and I would get people from the radio station and they would call whenever they call and if they lived in this area, then crown sent them to me. And I sit in this office with couples and single people all the time. First thing we talk about is the Bible. We talk about faith, and we talk about giving. Are you a giver? Well, I just don't have enough. Bull. Well, what do you mean? What I mean? Well, read that verse again. What did it say? Okay. You, you, there's enough. There's enough out there. Well, I'm just not getting any overtime. Hmm. Really? Okay. And every time, every couple, every single person that I counseled, and I said, take the step of faith. Execute judgment against the spirit of poverty and start giving. Every single time their change came. Overtime started showing up. Another job started happening. I, ideas like, hey, I'm going to start a dog grooming business and I've already got six dogs. I'm going to start housing and babysitting animals. And I don't know why they just called me. Like this one lady just called me out of the blue and I don't even know. I know. I know. Because you're a king's kid and you're acting like a king now. And resource makes itself available to kings. See, that's an apostolic message. Some wield it. Some ignore it. You're suffering the consequence of both ways. Right now. 
Apostolic ministry equips us with the right weapons to fight the battle in the right way. You see, you can't go out and confess your poverty away and not give. It's the wrong weapon. It's like you're taking a fly swatter to a dragon. Go away. Leave me alone. I don't like you. You're mean. I'm all things. I can do all things. I have all things. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, wah, wah. See, James is all over the people who love to talk about stuff. He's all over them people. He goes, bull. You tell me you got faith by what you say, I show you what faith looks like by the do. Oh, I believe in healing. What are you doing? Oh, I confess that this is going to happen and that's going to happen, okay? What are you doing to act like it's really going to happen? We got to take the right weapon and use it for the right situation. Apostolic ministry equips us with that. Apostolic ministry says you want poverty out of your life, you have to give. There's no other one. There's no other way. You can even work more. You can get a second job and it all is like sand in your hand. Go get three jobs. I dare you. Then work. Or you can just get one that God blesses. How about just one that God blesses? One job. Maybe your, kid, your wife can stay home and raise your kids instead of a sitter. Now I'm meddling. I love being in the kingdom. I love being a king in the kingdom. I love his ways. I love coming into agreement with it. Here's what I lo- Jesus said, said something really awesome in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and that's all they do, get lots of good stuff. Okay, anyone but Shelly? See that that's not what it says? Those who hear those words of mine and just sit and talk about the words of mine get good stuff. Uh-uh, no? Oh, yes, right. He says, those, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, not an idiot. You're a big dummy if you hear the words of God and don't do anything. That's the, that's the inference there. Jesus would never say that, but I'm going to. The Message Bible would probably say, don't be a big dummy. Do what God tells you to do. I don't know. I should have looked it up. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And then rain came and streams rose and winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it didn't fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a fool. Oh, he does say it. You're a fool. You're a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against your house and it fell with a great So here's Jesus, the great apostle of our faith. It's one of his titles. The great apostle of our faith. And his words are the very rock. The very rock of our foundation. When we do it. See, you can't just put those scriptures all over your house. Yeah, this is a strong house. For me and my house, we serve the Lord. We're built on the rock of Gibraltar. Now, those are just ugly pictures in your room. Live it. And here's Paul in Ephesians 4.11. I love this. 
In 4.11, Paul tells us that Christ gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers so that they can help aid us in our understanding of the beauty of Jesus, the power of Christ, the resource that's available to us, the alignment that our lives are to come into with heaven to mature us. See, it's to grow us up. Now, notice the similarity between um, the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 and then what Paul says is the outcome of having the fivefold ministry function of our lives. In fact, let's, let's just read Ephesians 4. I want you to notice the similarities here. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, it says, he, It was he who gave, he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for a vacation. To sit on your butt and talk about what you heard. No, it's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, everybody say then. Meaning everything, nothing else is going to happen until this first stuff. So you do the first thing. Then, then we will no longer be what? Infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we will be able to speak the truth with love. And then we will in all things, that means your marriage and your money and your job and your relationships and your kids, your health, all things, in all things we grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I was going to say vacation again. No, it's work. So, so there it is in verse 14, right? It says it. Jesus gave us this fivefold so we will no longer be babies, infants, so that we won't be tossed back and forth. You ever see kids on the ground where there's one kid in the middle and you kind of everybody's pushing the kid and he just bounces, you know, just around? And I mean, that's us. And it's poverty, and it's jealousy, and it's envy, and it's greed, and it's fear. And all those demons are just there, and they're just pushing you around. They push you into fear, and the fear pushes you into greed, and greed pushes you into... We're just tossed back and forth, back and forth, until we grow up. So again, let me connect the dots for us. Dennis comes, and he prophesies, no more baby bottles. Train up an army. We, hear, we can see clearly here that Paul teaches us that we are an army. Whether you like it or not, you're in it. You're either a prisoner of war or you're fighting for the Lord. That's all the human race is. People who don't know Jesus, they're prisoners of war. That's why Jesus said, I've come to do what? Set the captives or the prisoners free. See, they're prisoners of war. Even when they're fighting for the enemy, they're prisoners of the war. Paul clearly declares that a very important aspect of warfare is apostolic ministry, right? The weapons of our apostolic ministry, the weapons of our warfare, 
our military service. And so then Bill comes, preaches on the importance of being an apostolic church. So I don't know about you, but I see God setting us up for something. I see God setting us up for something great this year. Do you feel that? So I have a question. Are you willing to grow up and join the army of the Lord? That's the question. Well, if you are, I'm just going to ask you to please just stand up with me right now. Now, again, I want to I remind us that the Lord, hey, listen, listen, I know you're stretching, but I, I'm not, I, just a couple more minutes. I want to remind us that the Lord said to Eric that his leadership style needs to change. To be more forward, to be more confrontational. Now listen, that word confrontational, I know we all hate it. But I, you know what? There is a way to be confrontational and still feel the love. Confrontational isn't about accusation and fighting for my rights. But we don't know what that looks like. But we're going to learn it. We're going to practice it. Because it's going to be with love. You may get spanked and you just may leave with a smile on your face. (laughs) I think I just got disciplined. I don't know. I feel so good. (laughs) It can happen. But listen, the Lord told Eric, it's time to change your leadership style. So my next question is, are you going to cooperate with the Lord and encourage Eric in this leadership style change? Or are you going to whine and complain and be childish? Well, I believe that this is a room full of people who want the will of God to be done in their lives. All of our lives. Not just me, not just you, Eric's life. Everyone. We are a room full of those kind of people. And I believe we are going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And I believe we are going to raise up and grow up into the fullness of Christ. (coughs) So that we can win the battles that we've been losing. Battles for our families, marriages, children, our city, (laughs) this region. School, absolutely. Darkness, I'm not making a bad confession, but it's winning. The church is not advancing, not with violence like in Matthew 11, 12. Homosexual agenda is making ground. But I think we are going to cooperate. We are going to be that people now, I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you to salute as members of the army. Instead, I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you to show the universal sign of surrender. And here's why. We are never going to win any battles in our own strength. You're not going to do it. This is not a message about join the army, pull up your bootstraps and do it on your own. This is a message about surrender. The only way to victory is absolute surrender to your king. Absolute obedience to his ways. So just lift your hands with me while I pray. Father, we stand here as the army of God. And first we say we agree, God, with the change that's coming. 
We say yes to what you've prophesied over us as a people and over our leadership. And Father, today we repent for our childish ways. For though it is a natural and normal part of development, God, some we've got to grow up. It's time. And so today, God, we surrender to your will. We surrender to your ways. We want the king revelation, God, to come to our hearts. Jesus as king. We need that revelation here, God. So, Father, we agree with the shift. We agree with the transition that's coming. Help us, God, to be a people who do your will, who do your words. Give us the strength. It's only your strength. It's only your armor. It's only your words. It's only your ways that win every battle. Show us the right weapon for the right situation. Cover us, God, in your love. For we are an army dressed for battle. And we desire to take the land, God. We've been so inward and so focused on me and my needs, God. It's time for us to go into the land. To think about someone else. To reach out to someone else. To go out to someone else, Father. Make us an apostolic church who sends our very best. Make us a church who continues to equip people for battle. And Lord, help us to be extravagant givers so that poverty will be broken. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. So here's your homework, okay? I want you to go this week and go rent a great war movie. Braveheart. Saving Private Ryan, maybe even Act of Valor if you want a modern warfare thing. And so here's the other thing. Read Rick Joyner's book, The Final Quest. It will give you an unprecedented understanding of spiritual warfare. Amen? Amen? Amen. You're an army. Dress for battle. Go and be blessed today.